everybody. Welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast. Hosted by myself, Fahmi Kamal, and Jay Park. Jay, man, you've been having a crazy NBA season so far. How have you been doing? And uh, what's your thoughts so far on what's going on in the league? Yeah, it's been a crazy NBA season so far, for sure. I mean, who would have expected that the way that the current playoff picture looks like, some of the some of these players who are uh, back to looking like MVPs and some of these players who are coming out of nowhere looking like they're potential all-stars. Uh, the way that the season panned out with all these uh, health and safety protocols as well, with scheduling, you know, with four games in five nights, five games in seven nights, like it's been a whirlwind of a season so far and just excited to catch up again. All right, let's give a rundown on the Western Conference standing. So the Utah Jazz are the number one seed in the West and obviously as well as the number one East overall. Uh, they have the best record in the league. I'm not I'm not sure if you saw it coming and I'm not sure if any other NBA journalists saw it coming, but Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they've been at, playing out of their minds. Obviously with uh, assist with uh, with their assist in, in Conley, a healthy a healthy Conley coming back from injury. Uh, they're pl- they're playing pretty pretty like pretty well. I know Shaq kind of disregarded Rudy Gobert with his over two hundred million dollar contract, but he's been playing decently <laughs> well, and Donovan Mitchell's been decently well. Do you think that this is sustainable, and will they maintain this first overall seed? So I think with the Utah Jazz, I think their level of great gameplay so far up to this up up to this point of the season can definitely be uh, sustained, and it could be something that they could. Uh, keep developing further, closer and closer and into the playoffs. But this all started, in my opinion, against a really bad loss against the Knicks early, very early in this year. They had a they rough went start. To, they had a rough start. They they went out east, and I think they had back-to-back games in uh, Brooklyn and in New York, in Madison Square Garden, to close up their, their East Coast swing. And they lost back-to-back games. And I think after that game, they went on this crazy streak where they won like 15 of their next 16 games. And then now they're on like another streak of like six games in a row. They're nine and one in their last 10. It's, it's crazy what they've uh, turned out to, because to be, you know, 11 and two at home, you could say like, Oh yeah, you know what? They're maybe just a good home team, but to also be 10 and three on the road, that's that's something that's remarkable. And then they, they're not only doing this, with their offense, they're also doing this with their defense. I think in the league right now, they have the best net efficiency, uh, which is points that you score as a team versus points the other other uh, other team scores per game uh, in the league right now. I, I think 8.9 or close to 9 uh, a game, which is substantial. That's almost saying that you're beating teams by double digits every night, uh, regardless of who it is. And recently, I know that they've beaten a lot of good teams. Uh, they've beaten the Celtics, they've beaten the Bucks, they, they've beaten a lot of the upcoming teams from last year that we thought maybe they're going to be, they're going to be good. Like they, they're beating the Hornets, who we're going to talk about when we go out east, they've beaten the Hawks, they've beaten the, the Pistons, uh, not, not the Pistons, because you know, Pistons are actually a bum team right now. But uh, the point is, with the Jazz, their key guys have always kind of stuck together so that level of continuity is there donovan mitchell looks like he's carrying that strong gameplay that uh, he's had in the bubble into this regular season rudy gobert is out to prove guys like Shaq wrong that he's actually worth that 200 plus million dollar contract with the chip on his shoulder he's playing with the chip on his shoulder and then the other guys the other guys is what's making this team special right now so you got guys like jordan clarkson coming off the bench you got joe angles you got uh boban bogdanovich 
you got Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley, all these other guys who are role players who are trying to fill in the different voids, the different gaps that might be left behind by the likes of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert on the perimeter with the three-point shooting, making yeah. good passes, making good plays. That's what's making it all work for the Utah Jazz to be not only the best in the West, but also number one in the NBA as, as of right now. Exactly, yeah. And uh, let's just move on to the Lakers. So yesterday or last night, the Lakers played against the Memphis Grizzlies, winning 115-105. to 105. Anthony Davis came back from injury. He was out for, he was in and out of the lineup for the past, I'd say, month. So 36-year-old LeBron James, man, he's been playing crazy minutes. He Yesterday, he almost had a triple-double, 28 points, eight, eight rebounds and nine assists. And not even that. Yesterday was even the first game that Anthony Davis uh, rejoined him, like just coming back in the starting lineup. But LeBron James is really playing uh, at an MVP level season. And uh, I personally feel that LeBron is really trying to prove all the doubters, all the naysayers, all the people that hate on him wrong, the skip builders of the world. The, you know, you know, the list goes down. But I think that he's having an MVP season. Do you agree with me? And do you think that the Lakers could actually just keep on following this momentum, especially with AD back in the lineup? Yeah, I think at the start of the, uh, I think at the start of the year before the regular season started uh, last year, I think we predicted that either you said the Lakers were going to have the best record in the in the West, or or I said that. I, I know one of us said that, and I think it was you because I said I'm, I said I think it was going to be the Clippers. But what you said earlier on before the regular season started is coming true because to only be a half game back behind the Utah Jazz at 21 and six with this with the current winning streak of seven games in a row it's really impressive I mean although they lost some games at home just a quick uh, just a quick flashback you said the Lakers will be first and I said the Clippers will be first oh okay, okay, I, just, okay. I just looked at our previous notes from that episode Okay, because I know one of us said that. I, I know we had yeah. the LA teams. But we, but we had them inter- interchangeable, one and two. Exactly. So, uh, and if you look at the current standings, like, we're not we're not far off because, like, it's it's literally Utah and then Lakers and then Clippers as the right. top three in the West. But so going back to the Lakers, to be nine and four at the home, they lost to a couple of teams that they shouldn't have lost to. But I guess that's what happens when they feel like they're playing trap games. But on the road, they're 12 and two, which is, again, very remarkable. And they're doing this with, I believe, a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense. And they're beating teams by almost eight points a game. Uh, again, almost very close to that double-digit point where they're just, they're just winning games easily. And a lot of that, a lot of that, I, I would say at least 80 to 90% of that success is credited to LeBron James. LeBron James, like you pointed out, 36 years old, playing in this, what, 18th, 19th season, who knows how long. I mean, he was drafted in 2000. Three, so 18 seasons in. This is crazy. I mean, this is, you never thought anything like this would have been possible because LeBron, the numbers that he's putting up, the minutes that he's playing, the number of games he's playing, he's not missed any games so far, I don't believe. He's been on the injury report, injury report every game, but he's not missed any games. Yeah. So the fact that he's doing this now, I know for a fact that he, although he might not admit it publicly, he's going after that MVP. And he has a very good claim at, this point of the season to actually make a good run at the MVP award because his team success, his individual success, the fact that he's number one vote getter in the NBA for the all-star game, all of this is still proving that he is indeed the greatest and the best player in the NBA right now for getting all that acclaim, 
from the media, from the fans, from other players. It's it's unparalleled to what other players in the NBA are receiving in terms of that level of acclaim and attention. So with LeBron and the Lakers and with AD coming back from an injury, I believe that they can definitely end up either as first or second. I think the second seed is their, is their floor. They, the ceiling is the, is the first seed, but the floor is the second seed, which is saying something. That's, I, we can't say that for any other team except maybe Utah or, or the Clippers. I don't imagine the Suns or the Blazers or anybody else in the West that are beneath them in the standings right now overtake any of those three guys with the remainder of the season. Yeah, and just looking at the Western standings here, uh, so out of all the rest of the teams, I'd say the only shocker, if somebody, let's say, woke up from a coma in the past, that's been in a coma for the last two years, and he just looked at the standings today, <laughs> is the Phoenix Suns. They're fourth in the West, uh, obviously followed by the Portland Trailblazers, the San Antonio Spurs, Denver Nuggets, and Golden State Warriors. The Golden State is not a shocker. Eighth seed is, is kind of reasonable. But the Phoenix Suns, just to see them only have nine losses, 15 wins, they're only five games behind from the first overall seed. Do you think the Phoenix Sun are going to try to squeeze a, a top four seed or, or are they going to slip down and go to the playing play tournament? Uh, I believe that they are meant to be, for this season, to be hovering around anywhere from four and seven. I believe between four and seven is what they're destined to, to finish at the end of the regular season. And that's because you're not going to overtake any of those top three teams uh, who have a better record right now. That's, that's out of the question. You and uh, I unless, have like, them, there's have them in the in the playoffs in top right, eight. So, like, uh, to me, uh, unless the the Lakers, uh, you know, LeBron and AD both get injured, or Kawhi and Paul George both get injured, or Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both get injured, unless something very unlikely like that happens, the Suns are not going to overtake any of those three teams. Which means, then we look at the rest of the uh, the Western Conference playoff picture. Where can they finish? Well, they're they're too good. Uh, from what I've seen though, so far in the season, to be playing in for a playing uh, contest, I believe that their maximum ceiling is to get that last four seed in the West to get the home court advantage. And their floor is that seven seed. Somewhere between the Portland Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Mavericks, the Suns, they're all going to rotate and try to fight for better seeding towards the end of the season. But the Suns are for real. Uh, that That is not... An understatement, the Suns are for real right now. They finished 8-0 in the bubble. They went undefeated. They they uh, defeated great teams in the bubble uh, who were fighting for uh, their playoff uh, seedings. And into the regular season, with the acquisition of Chris Paul, they're they're playing like they got something to prove. To be having – to have a, a positive record both on at home and on the road – at eight and four and seven and seven and five respectively, and to be having a, a positive net efficiency. And they're actually currently on a four game winning streak and they're playing tonight right now. And as we speak, they're actually beating, they're currently uh, beating the 76ers at home. Devin Booker, I believe that under the tutelage of Chris Paul, he's trying to really hone out and he's meshing well with Chris Paul and polish his game all around. He, like we know he can score. We know he can shoot. But I think in terms of his playmaking, his court awareness, his vision of... He's having a better what, overall game. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. And I believe DeAndre Ayton under, again, the mentorship of Chris Paul is only going to improve. And so are the other role players. We saw what Chris Paul did with the Oklahoma City Thunder last year when we thought, like, they're not even supposed to be in the playoffs. They're not even supposed to have a positive record. Yeah. So he's going to have a similar impact on the Phoenix Suns. And because they have a better talented roster 
surrounding him this season, I believe that they're they're definitely going to be a, a tough team to face in the playoffs. All right, let's uh, take a look at the West uh, the Eastern Conference uh, standings. So the Philadelphia 76ers leading, honestly, I believe that is somewhat of a shocker as we both predicted that the Milwaukee Bucks will take over. What's your thoughts on the Sixers with their new coach, Doc Rivers? Is this uh, something surprising? Uh, for me personally, I think not, mainly because they have managed to keep MB, they kept Simmons, uh, they kept Tobias Harris. They haven't made any major crazy trades besides the acquisition of Danny Green and Seth Curry. But other than that, they seem consistent. They seem that they're really trying to make a finals push. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Sixers? Can they manage to keep that first seed and make it to, make it to the NBA Finals? Oh, see, NBA Finals, that I don't know. But more on that in a, in a little bit. With what I've seen from the 76ers so far this regular season, to be 18 and, 18 and 8, yeah, that's a really good record. And they're number one in the East. But And Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level for the first time in his career. He is. And a lot of that is a credit to his actual dedication to his conditioning because that's that was the biggest Big knack. That was yeah. the biggest knock on his game and his his overall player profile because everyone everyone was uh, was under the belief that this guy is the number one best center in the NBA when he's right. But when he's right, a lot of that is accredited to his conditioning. And for the past few seasons, he's been on and off. He showed us glimpses and he's shown us, uh, you know, little streaks of good games here and there, but it was not consistent. Yeah. This year, however... He actually spent a lot of his money to getting a, a personal chef, a mental and physical therapist. He's he's uh, investing more into his conditioning, and you know he's proving that, and that is translating translating into the court very well. Because like you're saying, he's having a very MVP like season right now with the numbers that he's putting up, the fact that he's not missing too many games, and the fact that he's actually playing so many minutes. It's it's and that's all translating to his team having a great record to be number one in the East. The fact that they're quarter way into the season, number one in the East, that is saying something, but I don't believe that that's going to be sustainable because I believe at the end of the season, it'll be Milwaukee with the best record, but will they make it to the NBA finals? That is a big question because I believe that it'll be either. You just got to stay healthy and keep, keep on being consistent. I believe it'll either be uh, Philly or Milwaukee, maybe Boston, that's going to be challenging the Brooklyn Nets in the in the East Finals. Brooklyn is for sure a lock to make it to the East Finals. It'll just be which of those three teams between Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston will overtake them or face them in the East Finals. But credit, shout out to Doc Rivers, his first season as head coach there. He's doing an amazing job. Shout out to his uh, son-in-law, Seth Curry, for for doing really well under under. The, under the leadership of Doc Rivers and playing around with uh, with superstars like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and all stars like uh, Tobias Harris, 76ers well, are for real. To get so he failed to get past the Western Conference and make it to the NBA Finals, but if he if he passes the Eastern Conference and makes it, that that's 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 huge. That's huge, especially because he's been that struggling is, with the with the Clippers just to pass that uh, that's, that round. You're absolutely right, and that's that's absolutely true because. In the East, he has likely a better chance of, of accomplishing that uh, versus when he was in the in the West. Because uh, just to just to let you know of something, Indiana Pacers are the current fifth seed in the East. You know what their record is? Thirteen and thirteen. They're deadlocked at five hundred. No team in the West in the current playoff picture has a five hundred record. That's Everyone has huge. a winning record. That's the difference between West and East. And in the West. If you look at the top nine teams, everyone has a, pos 
a positive win win loss record, and they're currently on win streaks. Everyone in the East, no, we can't say the same for the East. So the power of the West has been for real, and the fact that Doc Rivers is now in the East, where the competition isn't as strong, isn't as consistent night in and night out, he definitely has a better chance of getting into the finals, and for sure, at least getting into the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, so just looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference, so Milwaukee Bucks second, the Nets third, not, not too many shockers here. I'd say the main shocking teams are the Charlotte Hornets, sixth seed in the East, followed by the Raptors, seventh, and the New York Knicks, eighth. Just looking at the Charlotte Hornets, they've been playing very well. Michael Jordan really has been trying to, he's been really trying to develop a team in a way where he had to take a risk in getting and paying Gordon Hayward four years, $120 million dollars. They, I feel like they got the best overall rookie in this NBA draft with LaMelo Ball playing just out of his mind, man. LaMelo Ball, he's having a better season than his brother Lonzo. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets are a really fun team to watch. You know me, I love teams with young players. Uh, just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just looking at the Charlotte Hornets, a team with young players. Uh, you know me, Jay. I love watching teams that have young players and just teams that are kind of growing up together. What's your thoughts on the, the Charlotte Hornets and you think they can make it to the playoffs? So with the Charlotte Hornets, they're definitely probably the biggest surprise of the Eastern Conference. The fact that they're 13 and 14 and currently locked in at the six seed, like you just mentioned, that's incredible. The fact that they're coming from probably the bottom of the East to now being closer and closer to the middle of the East, maybe potentially reaching to the top of the East in the near future, not this season. But they're, they definitely have a bright future ahead. With the likes of drafting LaMelo Ball, I believe just that transaction alone in the offseason meant a lot of great things to come for that organization because I believe that organization, especially that team with the young players that they do have on that roster, they felt rejuvenated. They felt like, you know what, we got this top three draft pick coming in with so much hype, with so much uh, fan base surrounding this guy even though he hasn't played a single game in the NBA or a single game in the United States at a collegiate level this guy comes in and already surpasses expectations he's clearly the front runner of the rookie of the year award and he's putting up numbers that uh, we're comparing him to all-time legends and like you mentioned in previous podcasts this guy has so much social media support he makes a three it's, it's trending on Twitter like you mentioned before he makes a nice pass it's trending on Twitter he, he makes a nice highlight reel, then it's already on ESPN the following, uh, on the same night. And he's doing that with the Charlotte Hornets. So just imagine if he played for a team like the New York Knicks or the Chicago Bulls with a larger market. That would just be even more insane. So to see him do that with, with a team like Charlotte Hornets, that's remarkable, man. Honestly, like I can understand why you try to trade for him multiple times in, in our fantasy league. But for sure, LaMelo and the Charlotte Hornets, they're for real. They're, I'm saying this right now. We can lock this in so that in five, in three months, when the playoffs start, I could tell you that this is what I said. Charlotte Hornets will make the playoffs. They'll have a good enough seed so that they're not going to even have to play a play-in game. They're going to make it just right off the hop. And it'll be credited to the likes of Gordon Hayward, their, their off-season acquisition, in, and in, in the addition of their other acquisition, uh, LaMelo Ball. The two of them, the impact that they're having on the team, and the internal growth of players such as Terry Rozier, uh, Devontae Graham, they're all coming together. They're all coming together. And even uh, Bridges, all those the young guys, you can win at least 30, 40 games every year just from hard work and hustle. And you add talent to that, then you're talking about a team that's going to make it into the playoffs. So the Charlotte Hornets, like they're, they have the hustle, they have the hard work, 
now they just added talent over the last uh, few months with the acquisition of Lamelo and Gordon and the internal development of the players, like I just mentioned. Yeah, they, they, they for sure turned a corner and they're coming around. Season predictions, we both have the Hornets making it into the playing tournament as a 10 seed, which is not too bad. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they land in that position. Moving forward, the Toronto Raptors. So they've had a really rough start to the season. They've been hovering around the 14th and 15th seed with teams like the Wizards, the Pistons, uh, just to see them bounce back. And now they're, quote unquote, in their regular spot, but it's just the, only the seventh seed. Uh, I, I do expect them to get better and I do expect them to move on forward. But there has been rumors that the Toronto Raptors may be pulling the trigger on a move for John Collins, the Atlanta Hawks. What's your thoughts on the Raptors? Can they move higher or are they going to maintain that that spot? Or And uh, do you think that the trade for, for John Collins is, is really beneficial for the team? I believe that the Raptors will definitely uh, turn the corner and go above and beyond uh, a 500 team because currently sitting at 12 and 14 with the seventh seed in the East, that's not their destiny for the season. Yeah, they started off really tough, uh, you know, going, I think, 0-5. It was, it was terrible. They were definitely playing horribly. But I believe they're, they're getting better play from the likes of Pascal Siakam recently, uh, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, all these guys who've been with the Raptors for many, many years. They're finally turning it on. So I definitely believe that uh, they're going to finish somewhere between 4 and 7. I don't think that they're going to touch any of those top three teams because they're the, the talent gap is just too much. But in terms of making a move and potentially acquiring the likes of John Collins by, you know, putting pieces together in a nice package, that I don't know if it's actually worth it because he'll essentially be a rental. And I don't know if it will be a, uh, an upgrade onto their roster because who plays that position right now? Oh, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam has, is having a better season than John Collins. John Collins is not a five. He's not – that's Clint Capella. He's not – John Collins is not meant to play the five. So essentially he's a four. He's a stretch four. We already have that. If we have a John Collins and Pascal Siakam on the same roster sharing the court together, because uh, they're too good not to be sharing the court together in the starting lineup. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Like the Raptors, what they need is a legitimate five uh, or a stretch five that is okay with getting minimal touches and just grabbing a lot of rebounds and, and uh, protecting the rim and protecting the paint and just helping on the perimeter defense when uh, it's Andre required. Drummond. CC so, Andre Drummond. Yeah, and so an Andre Drummond type would be great, or a Miles Turner type. Like, I'm not saying Miles Turner is available, but those type of players is who the Raptors need. Uh, even, even I'd be okay with even a guy like Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. Like, that is the type of player that we need like even like a Rudy Gobert like I'm not saying we're gonna get these guys or they're available but those are the types of players that would be a perfect fit for the Raptors this season we don't need a guy like John Collins like John Collins he's great he's potentially a 2010 guy every season with great efficiency can stretch the floor can shoot the three can shoot uh, a great percentage inside outside at the free throw line he's a phenomenal young talent that that is most likely to get paid somewhere else than Atlanta probably but with the Raptors, I definitely don't think that we would need a guy like him. Like, we could potentially trade a Lowry to get a guy like Drummond or some, someone similar for a big, but we don't, we don't need anybody that is not a traditional or a, or, or a versatile big. All right, and just moving on to the rest of the East, looking at the New York Knicks at the A seed, and you got, you got the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat at the ninth and 10th seed. They're all 6.5 games behind the first seed. 
so I believe that the New York Knicks are definitely not going to maintain that that eight seed, but they have been playing really well. <laughs> they have been playing really well. Julius Randle averaging 22 points and 11 rebounds. I think that he could be a potential lock for an all-star. But what's your thoughts on the Knicks? Do you think do you see them making it to the playoffs? And obviously, I personally don't. You know, the Miami Heats are around the corner. You got the Atlanta Hawks that are just right under there. So I just I think it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, I think they definitely have a tough road ahead because Miami it'll be a huge a huge disappointment if they miss the playoffs this season. Especially you go after to the end into the finals, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You make it to the NBA Finals having this dream playoff bubble, and then you don't even make it to the playoffs the following season with the same guys? With the same guys? Yo, that... That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. To me, like, that, that would be, like, the biggest flop of all time. Like, that's to me, would be a bigger choke job than the Clippers losing a 3-1 lead in the playoffs last, last season to the Nuggets. Like, that, that, that can't happen. So we think that Miami Heat's going to make it somehow, some way. So that means already the New York Knicks is per- will drop out of the playoff picture into maybe like the ninth or 10th seed for the play-in. Now the Hawks, the Hawks are a better team than the Knicks. So the Hawks, as long as they figure it out, and by figuring it out, I mean that issue that they have going on with John Collins and Trey, Trey Young, they got to figure that out. Because Trey Young that's and John Collins, well. that's not looking too well right now. Uh, that They looked great before, but for some reason this season – uh, I think it's mainly because John Collins wants to have a great year so that he can get paid because he's in his uh, last year before his contract ends. Trey Young, I mean, he he also wants to prove that he's a you know a legitimate superstar in the game, so he's he's after his own numbers as well. So I don't know what's going to happen over there, but provided that they figure it out, they're a much better team than the Knicks. That that, that talent gap is just too big. I know the Knicks uh, under the first head coach uh, first head coach season of uh, Tom Thibodeau have been playing really well. Uh, they've definitely improved on their defensive end and they're playing uh, a lot of their young guys who play hard and they hustle. They have better work ethics than they've had ever in their careers uh, under Tom. And with the recent acquisition of uh, D. Rose, yeah, they're looking better and they, they could potentially fight for a play-in. But are they a lock? Not by a long shot. All right, Jay, we're, I'd say we're almost halfway through the season. Almost halfway through the season. we got Ulster around the corner. I'm looking forward to talk to you that with the next uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, but that's all for today. Just re- having a review at the NBA season and so far. What's surprising and what's not surprising. Catch you guys in the next episode. Looking forward to the next episode, Jay. All right. Catch you guys next time.